to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash and Dale Hummel. Do not pack your suitcase over the 50-pound limit. Now on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel without co-star Ryan Rash. The gay is under the weather. We'll say that maybe he had that battle we talked about last week with his suitcase that was a very well-fought battle that did not go well. Last week he was on with us. I think he was doing better. And against his doctor's advice, he decided to travel to Oklahoma City. That does not appear to be something that went well. And uh, I can assure you that he's in a little bit of pain and would be on here if he could. But right now, it's it's a little bit of a challenge for him. I think he'll be back sooner than later, I should say, for next week's episode. With that said, this is going to be a shortened version. I've been on the road since Christmas Eve to the Arizona National and then straight to Oklahoma City for the Cattlemen's Congress. So I've been detached completely from current events. And the good part of that is I have no idea what Sleepy Joe and the Chameleon have screwed up this week. I hope it's not terrible, but I'm sure we'll get caught back up on that next week when Ryan is back. And I also, we're going to make it up to you by giving you a Beyond the Circus here in the next two weeks to kind of make up for this shortened version that we're going to have today. Speaking of that, it's interesting when when Ryan uh, was planning on doing the podcast or at least trying to until just a couple hours ago and he said he just just can't make it. I do want to make a comment that when we jump on here each week and and sometimes we complain that wow it's hard to find time between Ryan and I and the producer Clifton to 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 all come together and get our schedules to work out. But I promise you it's it's a pleasure to do this with Ryan and I, and I greatly appreciate having that opportunity and his willingness to jump on here every week because it's easy. We simply get on here and we have our, our normal discussion without much guidance or without much thought put into our topics until just before we jump on. That makes it very, very doable each and every week for us, and I hope we can continue to do this for you. Because of that, I did want to jump on today and get this recorded for this week. It's going to be very short. I'm going to give you some of my life experiences that I had at Arizona National and now at the Cattlemen's Congress. We are probably not going to go into a main topic, and obviously we have to save question and answer for Ryan. I'd hate for him to be disappointed in missing one of those questions, and we do have some great question and answers submitted this past couple weeks, and please continue to submit those. I apologize. Sometimes we don't get into the Beyond the Ring email to check, but if you submit them to Beyond the Ring Facebook Messenger, that's usually where I jump on and, and pull some of those questions from. With that said, it's interesting. As we, we travel across the country from Illinois to Arizona and now to Oklahoma City, the response in the, I guess, approach to COVID and Omicron is, is very different. I was warned that if we were staying in New Mexico, that they weren't maybe at one point real excited about out-of-state people staying in their hotels, which I, I thought was crazy. But a good friend of mine did have some issues and had to try a different hotel. I don't know why, but that particular hotel wasn't allowing anybody outside of the state of New Mexico to stay there. I thought he was maybe over-exaggerating just a little bit. But we get into New Mexico, and I go to our first uh, fuel station, and at each door, two different doors, they have two people sitting there with masks, hand sanitizer, and we had to take our temperature to get in the door. 
I don't know what it's like, but obviously Oklahoma's a little more lenient. Texas was much more lenient. Illinois, we still have our mask mandate in place, but it appears as though nobody's enforcing it. I'm not saying that people are not wearing masks when they go grocery shopping or into gas stations, but it's by their choice because there there really isn't any enforcement of it whatsoever. It's almost like people are, are just fed up with it and they're they're going to move on. With that said, Omicron, I'm not sure. But once I got to Phoenix, after a couple long nights getting there, and then obviously getting set up for the show and so forth, I think my immune system was a little compromised. And I thought I was fighting a pretty bad cold there for a couple days. Looking back in hindsight, and the little bit of research that I did just prior to jumping on here to record, and I think maybe we mentioned this last week, I'm not sure, but 50% of those of you in the United States that have experienced a cold in the past two weeks would be actually positive for Omicron. So I don't know if I had Omicron. I don't know if I didn't have it. If I did, it was it was simply very, very similar to what I would say a strong cold, a little bit of body ache, um, nothing terrible, but possibly, I mean, uh, obviously not something that you would, you would want to have. But if you, you stop and think about it, maybe, just maybe, and we did allude to this last week, if Omicron, not if, it is incredibly, incredibly contagious. Right now, and I got word back from one of our employees at home in Illinois, it's hitting our local area harder than it has since the very beginning of the pandemic. I know more people personally that have it right now at this moment than I have the entire time from the beginning until now. So there's no question the contagious level of this. I'm hoping, and I'm hoping this theory that I have is correct, and I've heard it a couple other places now, when it's that contagious, good luck. No mask is going to stop it. No sleeping on the couch from your spouse because they have it is going to stop it. No level of isolation is going to keep you from this virus. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to to scare anybody, but you simply aren't going to avoid it. It is that contagious in, in my opinion. What I like about it so far, and we discussed this a little bit last week, for 90 some percent of the population, it's going to be nothing more than a mild to average cold. Some will not even realize that they have it. And with that, you're still building antibodies in your immune system to a level that is up to 14 times greater than what you get from a vaccination. So let's think about that. If Omicron doesn't hit the population much worse than a severe cold, and again, I'm not trying to belittle those that have secondary issues or their immune system is compromised because it's going to hit some people hard, and, and, and I feel for that. So I'm not trying to take away from that at all. But the average person out there that has a, a relatively strong immune system, no secondary conditions, this, in, in my opinion, for the most part, is going to be a, a cold-like symptom. Yet you're going to get that antibody or immune response that is much greater than a vaccination. So if we have another variant that comes along that is more severe than Omicron, I think that the odds are that you're going to be very, very protected from this. And let's hope that it's so contagious that we we have such widespread exposure to Omicron that we also, in turn, have widespread antibody response. And the vast majority of the people in the world now can fight back against any COVID 
hopefully a new variant that comes along and, and we know it's not always going to, there's variants that could come along that could, could sideswipe us and, and the antibodies that we have right now, our immune system maybe couldn't fight against it. But for the most part, if everybody's exposed, everybody has antibodies along with all the vaccinations that are out there and in play, let's hope we can finally beat this down to the point where we're not having to talk about it every day, where we don't have closures I, I have my, my youngest son at home called and said, well, Dad, somebody had, had ratted me out at school. He wasn't even at school the other day, but it was exposed to another student, I believe, outside of school that had put his name down a list that when asked when he tested positive, who have you been around for the past 48 hours? So now for my son to go to school, he's got to get tested for COVID before they allow him back in. I don't know if it's Every Monday, every Monday, Wednesday, I don't know how often, but we're still in full mask in school. We still have events across the country canceling because of this. It's time to move forward. And just maybe, just maybe Omicron is going to be a part of that. I don't know this for a fact, but it's, it's a very, in, in my scientific analysis of it, which is not the greatest probably, it makes sense that this level of exposure to not just people here in the United States, but worldwide, I cannot imagine that as fast as it's moving through things, we're going to come on the other side of this just as quickly, and we're going to be in pretty good shape. So let's hope for that. However, I do want to bring up something. I just got off the phone before I jumped on here to record with our, our swine specialist guest, Mr. Eric Fugate. Eric's been fighting some some health issues and his immune system is just about zero. We know that it's impossible to not be exposed to this and he has tested positive for Omicron and he's going to beat it and he's he's working hard at it, but he he in his words he says this is kicking my ass. And and he sounded a little tough on there. Hopefully he's on the the upside of that at, at this point and, and it'll only be a couple more days that he's got to battle with it. I don't know. But when there is zero immune system and he's able to, to fight back and beat that, that kind of holds to our theory that let's hope that those that do have compromised immune systems out there, those with some secondary conditions, can still beat this just as Mr. Fugate's doing. So we, we have well wishes for him, and I hope everything continues to go the right direction because uh, we sure, sure appreciate bringing him on, and I know that he's... he's uh, fighting that that Omicron battle along with some other things, and he's got a very positive attitude towards it. So hopefully we'll bring him on sooner than later. In all honesty, just before he called, I about reached out to him and asked if he wanted to jump on here as a special guest last minute, as, as similar to Ryan. I can jump on with Mr. Fugate, and we can just talk about life and, and a lot of different things, and it usually goes pretty well. Let's go backwards here a little bit and before I, I move into to some of the experiences at Arizona National, and now we're sitting here in Oklahoma City at Cattlemen's Congress, I am excited this week to meet Mr. Boxel for the first time in person. Yes, Mr. Boxel from Boxel Manufacturing will be at Oklahoma City signing autographs, taking pictures, whatever you would like. And we can set that, that time up anytime you'd like, probably near the stalls that we have for our Angus Pinnables. He will be out on Saturday. I'm looking forward to visiting with him, meeting him, getting to know him a little bit better in person. I know that a lot of you follow him on follow Boxel on social media. 
I think some of the probably most entertaining posts that, that you'll see on any given day. We do appreciate Boxel Manufacturing's continued support of this educational podcast. And without their support, it would make it much more difficult for Ryan and I to jump on here each and every week. So thank you, Boxel Manufacturing. You will see when you show up three Boxel blowers in play in the Angus Pin display area that we have set up for Hummel Livestock. So we, we do appreciate them and their continued support. Arizona National, let's talk about it. I can remember when I was coaching livestock judging teams for many years, looking forward to going to Arizona National because we would get down there in short sleeve shirts. And each and every year, it seemed like the weather was 80s, probably low to mid 80s. Absolutely beautiful. I would sit under a palm tree and, and take reasons. It was good. I still love to go to, to the Arizona National, but the last two or three times I've been there, it's been just a little bit chilly. And I don't think they get more than 26 days total of rain out of the year. And, and I think we experienced a little bit of rain most of the days that we were there. So just a little bit chilly, not like it was maybe in, in some of the other parts or not. It's certainly better than Illinois. But I am looking forward to Arizona National next year because it's going to be 85 and sunny every single day. With that said, numbers in the market show appeared to have been fairly strong in the goats and the lambs and the hogs. I did not get over to watch the steer show, but I assume they were, they were very similar. So they have bounced back, obviously missed the previous year because of COVID issues, but coming back strong. And it looks like a lot of these shows are doing just that. And as usual, Arizona National, as we've talked about many, many times, there's no show that, that is perfect by any means. But the willingness of their staff in the show management to make changes and take suggestions from exhibitors is, is second to none. I was contacted more than once. Hey, how are things going? Everything good? What maybe should we do different for next year? And I'm not the only exhibitor or the only family there that they reach out to. Any family that's exhibiting there that wants to talk to them, they're pretty accessible. And they're very open to suggestions and, and improvements that can, that can be made. The show ring area looked amazing this year. And the, the lamb and goat area, they, they've really stepped up and made it look the part. It, it's pretty interesting. Um, they added some premiums to the, to the champion and reserves, I believe, across species beyond what they get in their, their auction. So there's a lot of positive things going on at the Arizona National. And we hope that, that they continue to push forward and continue to build that show on into 2022 and we do appreciate all the, the efforts that, that are there. From a personal standpoint, I enjoyed being down there. I always enjoy that show. We had three of our children showing. Um, this was our oldest daughter, Tara's last and final junior show. She was fortunate enough to walk in the ring with two heavyweight class winning market goats. Ended up with a reserve division five market goat. Had a great last show. Good experience. Cannot complain whatsoever. And it's just a little bit emotional when you when you go through those things, but what a great place to 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 end that show career and and on to the next next part of her life. We also had the very fortunate pleasure to have sold a goat to the Hoyle family that the ever capable Riley Hoyle walked in the ring down there and ended up with the grand champion goat so we we were very excited about the the goat show at Arizona National and our our genetics being represented so so well so congratulations to to Riley Hoyle and family we appreciate what what you do in terms of representing those genetics 
I hope that we continue to see progress and we continue to see these shows come back. Right now, I'm sitting in an Airbnb in Oklahoma City. We had to make a decision. Do we go to Oklahoma City with our cattle? We have a pen of four bulls, and we have a coming two-year-old or yearling, I should say, display Angus bull that we put in the herd sire display area. We chose to go to Oklahoma City, just a little more convenient for us. And I think a lot of people are making those choices. I think there are a few that are going to both Oklahoma City and Denver. I do not have a true desire to to promote or be negative towards either show, but it'll be interesting how this goes here at Oklahoma City this year, how everything goes at Denver, and my guess that will give some direction on, on where people will be going next year. I wish the two shows weren't necessarily on top of each other because it would be great to, to maybe spread those apart and be able to go to both. But I can assure you, when you, you have to put a crew together, if you have multiple cattle going, it's, it's a challenge. Just getting everything done to get to one of the shows, let alone a couple down days and getting to, to a second one, it's, it's not going to be easy. So I don't ever think there would be a lot of people that are physically capable or financially capable or willing to go to both shows. And I, I have a lot of history and a lot of sentimental, emotional attachment to the yards in Denver. I've been going there since I was a freshman in high school and have great memories from there. I'm a little disappointed. I guess the yards are gone. and They've got complete new pins. I'm sure it's nice. I'm sure it's convenient. But that nostalgia, I, I love going up on that, that catwalk and overlooking those yards on a real early morning with the snow out. It just, it just really hits me. So I am looking forward to it. We're going to attend Denver. We're not taking any livestock, but we will be out there to, to, to watch the Angus show and, and see what's going on out there and walk through the new pin area. So I, I hope for the best for the National Western and everybody that's traveling that general direction. But let's talk about Oklahoma City. The barns are full. Compared to last year, I, in my opinion, there's more people here. There's more excitement. It's all going the right direction. I had a chance to watch the Red Angus uh, part of the junior show and the open show here yesterday. Great crowd, great participation. There's a lot of cattle here. I mean, for a show that's only in its second year, it's pretty overwhelming. Um, My experience as an exhibitor, um, no issues whatsoever getting in and out of the fairgrounds. Everything goes very smoothly from the entry process to health paper check-in. I I have absolutely zero complaints with the process and exhibiting cattle here. And I think when you can say that, it's usually a little bit hectic, and it's usually always complicated, but they've made this pretty simple, and it's good. So I I suspect with, with those kind of experiences that I've had, and I think other families showing cattle here, it's going to be around for a very long time. I do not know if it's going to continue to be larger than Denver or what's going to happen back and forth there. I don't even want to make those predictions. I do not want to take sides either direction. I wish the best for both shows, and I hope that both can thrive. And that's good. The more shows, the better. The more exhibitors, and not only junior exhibitors, but those that are displaying pins of bulls and things like that, the more the better. So let's let's hope for the best for both shows. But Cattlemen's Congress, I'm, I am going to give you a shout out because I am here right now and things are going very, very smoothly. 
and I have heard very little complaints from any exhibitors about any issues. Well set up, well organized. Things are things are definitely going in, in the right direction. So I, I commend them for that. It's, it's hard for me to even imagine how to put on an event that's maybe as large as this and the total numbers that are coming in and out of these. But it's a facility that can, can actually handle it. And it seems like they're, they're getting the job done and they're getting the job done very, very well. Speaking of that, I talked about enjoying Phoenix and enjoying the Arizona National, all the, the families that we work with and very fortunate that we had several families there showing our genetics and just the experience that my children get to have and we get to interact with other people and travel the country. The same thing here. This was the first day that we put some bulls up just for a few hours on display. And as soon as we put those bulls up, and even before then, we got to visit with some old friends and uh, had a chance to, to talk with several Canadian friends of ours that, that stopped through and wanted to discuss the bulls. And we also had the pleasure of Mr. Angus, Tom Burke. Many of you that have heard Tom when we had him on the podcast, just incredible, incredible wealth of information that he has. And I had the pleasure, and I'm sure we've mentioned this before, of spending a week in Argentina at the Palermo Show and then traveling around to different ranches and looking at Angus cattle with Tom Burke. And the, the amount of knowledge that he has and his experiences in the Angus business, there, there's no one out there that can duplicate that. And the information he's able to give me in terms of pedigrees that may be five, six, seven generations back, and he, he knows every one of those cattle. It was nice. It was great when he stopped by today and, and looked at the bulls that we had up there. We talked about their dams. We talked about their sires that we studied while we were there in Argentina. And I, and I feel good because he feels a part of this, and he definitely is a part of it because he certainly gave me and our crew a lot of guidance while we we're down there and, and making some of those selection decisions. And it was good. It was really, really enjoyable. So for those of you that are that are unaware of the Angus project that I've, I've jumped into, we, we chose as a family to reach out and, and bring some genetics up from Argentina. That was done be, via embryos, and we have to send those into Canada, put those into recipients, and we can bring them down as pregnant recipients or have them calved out in Canada and bring them down as calves. So it's a a fairly complicated process, a very expensive process that that we, we put quite a bit of capital out there at risk, but had a tremendous amount of success, success with just a few calves last year at Oklahoma City. And now we're moving into our second year, and we've only had the cattle up and on display and in front of people for a few hours, but we're pretty darn excited with, with the direction of things. In general, these cattle are just a little bit stouter. They probably lend themselves to what I like a little more, the, the feet and legs, the, the perfect joints, a little more mass in terms of just shape, top shape and thickness and stoutness. And if we can make them good looking on top of that, that's perfect. My goal with these cattle is to try to bridge that gap. And I, I had a chance to visit with so many today, other breeders that some from the show world, some from the commercial world, some that are strictly number kind of breeders uh, in terms of EPDs. There's almost three segments out there right now, our show ring group, those chasing the numbers, and then some that are looking more just visual, that are more directed towards just strictly the commercial world. In those three segments, there's maybe not as much overlap as, as you would think. My goal 
And I, and I think it's, it's, it's happened because before we even got to Oklahoma City, when I started talking about the bulls that we were going to bring that, that originated in Argentina, I had those from the show world inquiring, hey, what do you have? What's it going to be like? What are you offering for sale? Is there going to be semen packages? Is there going to be an interest in the bulls? What's it going to be? Not only from the show world the commercial segment, and even some of those in the number world. And these bulls have no EPDs when they come into this country. We do not, the American Angus are not taking the EPDs from Argentina, putting them into a formula and kicking them back out as, as U.S. EPDs. They just start at zero and we have to build up from there with their calves and all the performance records from ground zero. So I fully believe these cattle perform extremely well in Argentina. And I think they'll perform and they have so far here in the U.S., we just have to gather that data and document it. But it looks like a lot of those that are that are strong number breeders have, have touched base saying, wow, I, I like the muscle. I like what it looks like in terms of performance. I hope we can bring this into our program and over time build those numbers and get those numbers to what they really are. That would be fantastic. We've always had a strong interest from those in the commercial world from a visual standpoint big-footed, stout-ended cattle that, that maybe are just a touch more moderate than some of those in the show ring. But wow, that, that's always been good. So the fact that we have interest from three different segments and with our goal of trying to bring everything into one, I, I would love, and, and I don't know if it's possible, guys, and, and again, I'm, I'm maybe chasing a, a false dream here, but I would love to be able to raise cattle that we could walk out into the commercial world and commercial buyers are extremely happy. I would love to be able to walk the, the better looking portion of those same genetics in the show ring and get along in the show ring. And once we build numbers on these and they actually have more documentation on their growth and performance and carcass traits, all those things, I'm hoping they fit into the, the upper tier of where the EPDs are on, on, on those that prefer to breed off of numbers. That would be a, a lifelong accomplishment or a huge accomplishment in, in my mind. And I know there's other breeders out there that would love to see this happen and are working for the same thing that all of a sudden we're maybe bringing the show ring and what we call the real world just a little bit closer together, maybe even pulling in some of those, those number breeders in, into, into this type of a project or a similar type of cattle. And there's no one type of cattle that fits everybody's environment. I mean, it's so vast wherever you're at, there's going to be a different scenario. And with that different scenario, you're going to need a different type of cattle, a different genetic base. And that's, there's no question. There is not one size that fits all, but it sure would be nice if, if all three segments were maybe just a little bit closer together. And I, I think, I think it's going that direction. So we're excited about it. We're happy to be here. Enjoy being around like-minded people. No question that those those are, are experiences that I enjoy, my family enjoys. We had a discussion with our youngest daughter, Tara, or not Tara, but Katie, I apologize. She flew back from Arizona National to get back to school and back to basketball. And we had that discussion, okay, you're going to miss a little bit of basketball practice at Arizona. You're not missing any school. That works out, no issues. She's going to sit on the bench maybe that first game a little bit. She would miss school if she came to Cattlemen's Congress. She would miss a couple games, and she chose to go back to school and, and, and do those things. But what's hard for somebody her age, and she's a freshman in high school, and we have this all the time in our industry, 
when we're showing across the country at national level type shows, the experience and the family time and all the positive that so many of our of you listening understand so well as adults and maybe even older youth is irreplaceable. I'm not trying to diminish what happens every day in the classroom in terms of sitting in that, that chair and trying to, to learn and, and absorb information from those teachers, whether it be grade school, junior high, high school, doesn't matter. Yes, we, we need that. But at the same time, those two, three, four days that you may miss to travel to that national level show and compete, it is irreplaceable. And it's life lessons and experiences that you're not going to get in the classroom. And it's hard for, for some of those, those younger youth. I know they don't want to miss. Our daughter did not want to miss class. She did not want to miss a basketball game. So, so she is at home. I'm, I'm sure in the future, maybe she'll choose to be here. Maybe she, she'll bounce back and forth. But I cannot emphasize enough the importance of, of what we are doing in our industry and the value that it's going to have long term. And I, I would like to, to circle all the way back. And Mr. Ryan Rash has, has, has told many stories and the life experiences that he has had. And it's been very, very clear that we are a product of our environment. And I hope that this stock show industry continues to give those experiences that Ryan and I have received and that my children are receiving and so many of you out there listening are receiving to, to make life better into adulthood. So I apologize today, just a little bit of rambling and not necessarily a main topic, and we're darn sure going to skip question and answer because we know how much Ryan loves that. And Ryan, we, we hope you're feeling better, and I can't say enough positive about how much I enjoy doing this podcast with you and the level of respect I have for you in terms of just just an ability to think through and logic through so many things. We come from such vast, different backgrounds, but can agree on on many, many things in this industry. And obviously disagree, and we're, we're a little bit on the stubborn side, fighting one way or another. But I miss having you on here this week, a week that, that maybe has just a little bit of absence in there for me. With that said, until next week, be safe. 